0: Welcome to episode 7 of Homo Sapiens season 2. My name is Christopher Sweeney. And just like last week, somebody's missing, but this time it's William. Hello. Paint me a picture. Where are you? I am on my parents'
1: sofa in Cornwall. The Archer's omnibus is blaring in the background. Uh, Uh, Chris,
0: what are you doing in my house? Well, I'm I'm in your house. Well, you're a fool to let me in while well, you're not here. Oh, shit. What am I holding in my hand? An enormous.
1: Ah, the scented candle! An enormous <laughs> scented
0: candle. That's gone in the bag. Thank God I brought a big bag with me.
1: As my friend said once, what a mistake to make.
0: Coming up on this week's episode, we are talking about chemsex at the LGBT Foundation in Manchester. Ended up at a party here in Manchester.
2: And this guy said to me, do you slam? And I had no idea what slam was. And the next thing I know is the needles and the tourniquet are being laid out, and I just went, wow, let's try this. I didn't know anything about it. I was gen- genuinely
3: interested and had a sense of how destructive it can be. The number one presenting issue for people who are engaging in chem is isolation and loneliness. Every single person that walks through the door says the same thing.
0: It sort of happens on Grinder and other apps where people sort of advertise that they're having a party and people will go and do methadrome or crystal meth people get very addicted to it and it is ruining people's lives so we headed up to manchester we met tyler andrew who is the drug and alcohol engagement coordinator up at the lgbt foundation and we met two people roger and john who have benefited from the scheme which has helped them through their recovery and they told us their story
4: the work of tyler's team on the lgbt center here you know if it weren't for them i probably wouldn't be alive
0: today Coming up is our brilliant and insightful conversation about chemsex. We've had a couple of water-based creases, dear listeners. So William is in Cornwall. What's what's happened? Talk us through it.
1: I've had to come down to Cornwall, so I finished the show last night. More on that later. (laughs) And um, got down to my parents' house Mm -hmm. at five in the morning. Oh my God. I have an Airbnb in my house in Cornwall. And there's no, the heating panels aren't working. There's no internet. uh, The water's not working. Essentially, they're living in a hut in the middle of Bobby Moor with no running water. Basically, the rating isn't going to be good. (laughs) So I had to come down. So I'm actually at my parents going to do this and then trundle over to there and try and smooth over the cracks of my Airbnb floors. Have you? But this is not the only thing. But it's happened this week, Chris. Go on. Because I had the preview for the show on Thursday. You're not doing a show, are you? <laughs> I am. I'm only doing strictly borum at the Piccadilly Theatre.
0: Really? A ticket's still available? Yeah.
1: Oh yes, but it's selling like hotcakes. And um Thursday night first preview, was I nervous? I was g- I'd got to that stage where you know how you when you do exams, it's mm-hmm. like I can't do anything else. So you sort of reach that weird calm Yeah. of I'm either going to pass or I'm not. Very happy, was very pleased with the way it was running. Um, costume had stayed up, no major mistakes. And suddenly the lead lady runs off stage. <gasps> Just before I start the song, another song, and I think, oh, I hope she's all right. Mm-hmm. And then I think, oh, she's meant to be doing a number now. I wonder what's happened. And then the curtain comes down and someone had knocked off a massive water pipe with a bit of the scenery. Oh my God. And there was a, what well, was gushing everywhere. <gasps> I offered to do my stand-up routine in front of the curtain, which I have done in the past. <laughs> but someone emphatically said no. And...
0: Um, Is that when they wrestled uh, you to the ground? Yeah, I totally was still going to do it. They cancelled the show. I just can't imagine what it must be like. All the nerves of the first night and then you have to stop halfway through because you feel like you can't go anywhere with it or do anything with your feelings. Oh, I was so happy. Were you? Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because I got off work early. I wasn't happy for the audience. Um, but I, I went to see my two friends, Alex and Jamie, in the pub. Really? I was already out of my costume before... <laughs> Before the leak started, no, it was it was really sad for the audience. And actually, I met this couple from America. The they'd come. They were. I don't think they'd come from America to just see the show. Uh, they made that quite clear. But um, <laughs> but you know, in a crisis, it's like let's move on to the next crisis. So I got shitfaced in the pub. How was the flea market in Barcelona?
0: <sighs> My mother and I. Our hands were quivering as we arrived. Ready to find bargains. Shall I tell you what I walked out with? To use a little no. Spanish, nada. Literally, it was there would be like a stool and it was like a bent fork, some old flex off a telly with a plug on the end, four empty cans of tomatoes. Oh. So I'm afraid I couldn't find anything for your dressing room.
1: So I do actually like old pieces of flex, but.
0: Is <laughs> <laughs> it actually exactly what my dressing room needs? Tell me the exact thing that I would have liked a bent fork. can we talk about handlebar
1: moustaches I have a quite prominent handlebar moustache um, which is can only really be described I look like a chuckle brother and um, that's not true it is true now you look at my face and (laughs) I've also Barry is that um, you (laughs) and I've also pierced my ear
0: go on let's have a look did you see it? Can you see it? You went with a sort of pendant pearl drop, I see. <laughs> I like it. Did it hurt? I've never had it done.
1: Uh, no, it didn't hurt at all. I went with our friend Camilla, Camilla of the Scrambled Egg fame. I've done it for the show as well. And I'm in the end going to get a diamante earring. Basically, I'm trying to make up for lack of ability with aesthetic appearance. And mm-hmm. so far, I think it's working. I think I'm having a midlife crisis. Are you? Camilla and I both thought, oh, are we having a midlife crisis? I'm dyeing my moustache and we're both getting, going to get piercings and we're 39. Have you bought a sports car? No, I've just sold a sports car, actually. Oh, a reverse. If I start growing a very thin rat's <laughs> tail, then you know I'm having a major... And I start wearing a lot of denim. And I'm wearing Nike air pumps. I mean... Really? Is
0: that because is that you're at home, so you've found them?
1: No, no, no. I bought them. <laughs>
0: When you go home, is your bedroom the same as it was as a kid or has it been turned into a gym?
1: Uh, yeah, no, my parents, my I think my mum in particular got over that very quickly. I mean, I have to be careful because I know they are around. Are you... Re- Daddy? Yeah? Are you listening to The Archers? Yeah. Oh, are you both in the kitchen? Yeah. Do you want to come and say hello to Chris? No. No, it's the Oh, I that?
0: won't have that, Annabelle because they know we're recording. Do you know what? The moment I turned 18, my parents said, "Okay, cool, we're selling the house. You need to move out. (laughs) Can you believe that? I can. I mean, for the record, not that anyone from my family listens to this podcast. um, Mine neither. I know. Everyone's so interested, apart from my own family. Uh, Do you know that saying, your family are the opposite of your friends? They slag you off to your face and they're nice about you behind your back.
1: (laughs) Ah, my god! Oh my god, that is so true,
0: isn't it? Tell me, what else have you been up
1: to this week? Actually, you—I know exactly. I bet I know what you've been doing. What? Because you've been very off phone. I know you've been, you've been writing,
0: haven't you? I have been writing. <clears throat> I have either that or you've been in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> I have been writing, so I have been locked away. But I have also been, thanks to Jack Monroe. Uh, listen to episode two of Homo Sapiens season two for more Jack Monroe. Uh, I've been trying not to have a smartphone and it's gone really badly. <laughs> I no! not know why. So I, got, I bought a Nokia 3310. Other phones are available. And it's this phone that just makes calls and texts. But you realise everybody texts in stupid group messages that I can't be part of. So I just get random bits of message or nothing. People send so many picture messages, which I hadn't realize so i can't get them so i just get like a question mark you use a smartphone for google maps and for calendar and you can't have either of those on this phone so i've just sort of been off grid and it's not really worked which is upsetting me because i'm feeling like i might i'm gonna try i'm I'm gonna try and do seven days and see what happens it's actually google maps you realize you don't know how to get anywhere (laughs) or i don't anyway Maybe it's just balance, trying to have balance. What do you not like about having a smartphone? I just feel plugged into endless conversation all the time. And if you're trying, basically, if I wasn't writing, it would be fine. But writing has to, it's just such endless discipline. Because you just have to sit down. And what is it? Um, Someone said, writing is easy. You just have to sit down and bleed. Oh, my God. Where are you
1: coming up with all these wonderful I
0: don't know. It will be available as a small little gift book for Christmas, though. One thing that I have been alerted to this week that I wanted to talk to you about is this podcast called The Moth. Have you heard of it? I like the name. It's live recordings of people who go up to a microphone in front of an audience and tell a story about their lives. And they are these incredible stories. The one I listened to was this woman talking about her daughter telling her she was transgender. Another one was about a girl who was bullied for being too masculine. I love real life stories. Can I say that there's a different demeanour about you today because you've got the mic in your hand. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like, and another thing. There's something very sort of Is it a bit stand up, like a cabaret? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm holding it a bit loose, but a bit sort of crap. Is it the flowery top that I'm wearing as well?
0: Let's have a look. Yes, the whole thing's a yes.
1: This is literally what I'm going to look like when I'm in an old people's home because I've got a flowery top. You might as well just, you might as well just call me Maisie. I've got a blanket that is probably my my grandmother's. Is this brown blanket Mimi's?
0: Have they made you breakfast?
1: They haven't made me breakfast, but my dad made me a coffee. Ah, oh. but his willy keeps on falling out of his pajamas, <laughs> and then my mum goes, "Oh, for God's sake, Robin, put it back in."
0: William, give us a T. T. Give us a W. W. Give us an itter. <laughs> itter. What does it spell? Twitter. Way. So many people have been responding about Asifa and her Eurovision ambitions. It got us a thinking, didn't it? What was your first memory of music? Can I say, this has been the most responded to tweet by a country mile. I'm going to say it went viral. Did we trend? We... <laughs> Sophie Elizabeth says, do the Saturday night Wigfield dance at age three and shouting at people who did it wrong.
1: Saturday night. and I knew I the dance. That. Did you? No.
0: I had a party when I was 11 and we did the dance.
1: Your parties sound amazing. You were Kate Moss at 14 or 13.
0: 13, yeah. I think I was 11 and we had it at tennis court in Wimbledon. I remember the whole thing. Even then I wanted to have parties. Dan Cooper says, buying South Park Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls on CD, taking it to my last day of year four, playing it and then being sent home for playing it. Prince, you
1: sexy motherfucker. We played it on the, we played it in the coach en route to rugby matches and, We all used to giggle, but we probably didn't giggle, actually. We were probably more like, ha, ha, ha. um, (laughs) The rugby coach let us have it, which was quite cool.
0: Kate says, Annie Lennox, No More I Love Yous. My mum used to play it loads. Not long after my parents were divorced, I must have been about five. It still haunts me, but could be the creepy vibe in the song anyway.
1: Oh, my God, I love Annie Lennox.
0: Do you remember, I think my sad music memories were, I used to listen to Celine Dion, Think Twice, all the time. (laughs) Do you remember that song? Think twice, Oh, you, oh you leave
1: my life,
0: don't leave my life.
1: She had, and there was a guy topless with a chainsaw making a sculpture. <laughs> really? Yeah, in the video.
0: I, yeah, I've never seen that video.
1: Who came up with that idea for a video? We're going to have a guy topless, looks a bit like Dale's, and he'll be making an ice sculpture with a chainsaw.
0: This is perfect for Celine right now. Paul Madden says, coming home from school sports day and looking under cushions and basically everywhere to find 2 99 to buy Erasure's Take a Chance on Me cassette single. Amazing. One of my most prominent music memories is my friend Harry buying the single... He was into like rock music, Oasis and Blur, buying Wannabe by the Spice Girls and putting it on the tape player in his bedroom and us all losing our mind to it. It was just... You know, and this was like four to five 13-year-old boys who were into, like, rock. It was so... Not really me, but, like, them. Really interesting how that music just went into people's brains. I remember watching that for the
1: first time and thinking, what the
0: hell is this? As in, like,
1: <laughs> yeah, you're going to get with me, you're going to get on my family, you've got a things on my face, Yes. I remember thinking, what the hell is going on? And then within three listens of it, I was... This is the best thing i've ever experienced in my life
0: i felt exactly the same i really couldn't get my head around it why was it i was just like they're shouting they were shouting
1: and they were they weren't slick they were suddenly like oh wow they're just gone kind of like
0: normal i was a destiny's child fan so this it just completely confused me
1: can you pay my bills my to bills. My i'm right, bills i
0: don't think
1: you do oh you and me are true oh that could be our end of that could be our final song um, yes uh,
0: my mum and nana took me to see cliff richard at sheffield arena says kayla when i was about seven i fell poorly halfway through remember throwing up and falling asleep through the rest of it can't be the only person <laughs> i went to the opera once with my mother-in-law and my husband she took us to Glyndebourne, the opera. <laughs> the woman sitting next to me fell asleep. Suddenly, she went and threw up <gasps> all over herself and the person in front of her. <laughs> it was awful. I'm not sure opera is my thing. I walked out of an opera. Which one? I can't Jersey remember Boys. Cats. <laughs> I actually fell asleep in Cats when I went to see it. I'd love to see Cats. It's a little bit steampunk for my liking. <laughs>
1: oh my God, I totally can. But I'm
0: aware that I will be speaking sacrilege to many of our listeners. So please, if you want to send me a poo in the post, my address is... Don't give my, don't give my address. <laughs> little shit. Done that before. <laughs> One of the things that listeners have been writing in to us about and asking us to do an episode on is chemsex. And chemsex is the use of drugs to enhance sex, basically. Chemsex is a problem that is growing and growing. We
3: went to the LGBT Foundation in Manchester to find out more about the problem. The number one presenting issue that I have to deal with for people who are engaging in chemsex is isolation and loneliness. Every single person that walks through the door says the same
0: thing that's Tyler who's the drug and alcohol engagement coordinator from the LGBT Foundation in Manchester he does an amazing job helping LGBT people who have issues with substance abuse and chemsex and he's literally saved people's lives through his work we also spoke to John and Roger who've used the LGBT Foundation's services and they owe a lot to Tyler and his team and we had a very open fascinating and very honest conversation with them all we'll start with Roger
2: and 2010, I had a pretty messy split up, and I was devastated. I just went into a total grief period. I was sitting at home most evenings just immersed in music. And I just want to read you one little piece that I used to listen to this piece of music and sob my heart out. Mm -hmm. You might even recognize it. I just want a lover, nothing that is complicated. I don't want to know you, we don't have to talk about it. Let us both discover. There is nothing better than just lying here together, staring out the bedroom window. I just want a lover. Could you be the person for me? Nothing sentimental. I want you to satisfy me. I just want a lover to take away the pain. I just want a lover to fool around again. Friday seems so easy, Saturday is hard. I just want a lover to ease my broken heart. To ease my broken heart.
1: That's my song. <coughs> um, yeah.
2: I, Echoes was, was an album that I sob my heart out daily to, but I suffered basically the start of my breakdown in 2011. And in 2012, I was starting to have lots and lots of sex and went, ended up at a party here in Manchester and um, there were two other guys and I walked in and this guy said to me, do you slam? And I had no idea what slam was. And I went, yes, of course I do. Slamming is the glorification of IV injections where probably five years ago, if you said to uh, any gay man in Manchester, you're going to start injecting drugs, they would have looked at you and said, that's only people who are on heroin. And then the word slamming came along the next thing I know is the needles and the tourniquet are being laid out and I just went, wow, let's try this. And he slammed me, he injected me, and I had this amazing rush. It was um, MCAT that he was injected into me. And then I went out of my way to try and find supplies and sources of MCAT. The downward spiral had become so bad In by March 2015 I tried to commit suicide. I took 50 Valium tablets, was rushed to hospital and released that evening back again with no support whatsoever. There was no drug support for gay men in the city at that particular point. The STD clinics, the GUM clinics were unprepared for what was about to unfold within the community or was unfolding in the community. I actually then started doing crystal meth a year ago and the crystal meth led to an even further downward. So I was doing far less crystal meth than I was doing MCAT, but crystal meth is a much stronger drug in terms of its, you can equate it to smack and heroin in terms of its um, devastation, and, the, and it is devastating our community here. So you've got a situation where a lot of people in Manchester between 2012 and 2015 started slamming appallingly I know so many people the first time they ever slammed in their life and they slammed with me mm. I've now come out of this at the uh, at the other end I went back into recovery realized that I also needed to start dealing with some of the underlying issues have dealt with those underlying issues and now back fulfilling my life
1: I mean first of all I'd thank you so much for sharing that i I was very moved by reading my lyrics because what came up for me was that I wrote that and I was going off to shag someone that night. What did I tell you about? No.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and at the time I was writing it because it was about, oh, it was literally about that. It was about, and it, part of it was very healthy because, you know, I didn't want a relationship and he was handsome and we were having sex. But actually, when you read those lyrics, actually there was a sadness underneath that as well for me now that I now I can recognise quite 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 a lot of desperation actually mm. and you know I was prepared to kind of everyone's nodding <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 I can say it you can't <laughs> <laughs> you know like I was taking the, I was taking the crumbs
1: yeah. you know and now I look back it was completely from loneliness um, those lyrics mean something completely different so thank you so much for allowing me to look back on that from a very different point of view.
0: Someone I know recently became single after being in a relationship for six or seven years and has gone back into the dating scene, this is in London, but said that what is there that wasn't before is that if you want to date or have sex, let's say, it's all done around grinder and it's about going to a party
4: that's organised on grinder and you I turn think, up. I think, um, you know, what, what's happened with... Grindr in particular, there seems to be a preponderance now of people on Grindr that approach guys. Uh, And one of the first questions they ask are, are you interested in chem sex? Mm. Um, And that's obviously an issue within the community. It's obviously an issue for Grindr, because it's not being policed, Mm. And then that opens the whole can of worms in terms of misuse of drugs. Mm. There's a whole jigsaw of pieces here that need to be examined, you know, from mental problems, people feeling lonely, People feeling worthless, people having problems in their lives, and using drugs as a way of escaping all that. And Grinder and other um, apps are just the vehicle to enable that to happen. And as all three of you
0: encountering different people who are getting involved, you mentioned loneliness and mental health as
3: root causes. How has that shown itself? It's different for different people, and it, it it's I think, very different. I think because. Gay men are often marginalised in society. Some people have not got families or long-term relationships. And people are pushed, I guess, to the side, aren't they? There's also things around rejection on, on dating apps and things like that that can make people feel more isolated and lonely. And I think it's just a downward spiral for things like that that just build and build and build. That's from my professional opinion. What, what do you two think?
4: Yeah, I agree. You know, yeah. I, I think being rejected, feeling lonely, being told that you're worthless being told that you're not good enough are common traits throughout the gay community um, however when you're at your lowest ebb um, a drug can come along and, and you can seek solace in it and that's what happened in my situation and, and I, I would have, I guess happens in a lot of other situations as well Thinking about loneliness
1: like it can lie latent with me and then when when it really does come up I just don't want to I haven't wanted to have faced it, particularly in the evenings. Evenings are really
3: bad. Evenings and weekends. Which is the main time people engage in campsite. Yeah. yeah. Because
1: I feel, and it was really interesting, Tyler, when you talk about being marginalised, particularly, like, if you don't have kids or, you know, because as I get older, like, a lot of, you know, straight friends will have, start having families and things. And and I feel a huge sense of kinship with them and with my LGBT friends. But I, I can definitely get a sense of feeling more, more marginalised than that kind of being triggering going right back to the beginning of feeling marginalised knowing that I was mm. gay and I can get a real sense of how perhaps things can creep up certainly with my own addictive behaviour how things can suddenly creep up like with porn for me like how am I suddenly like watching now three, four hours of porn a day didn't even realise it was a problem I don't know if either of you can relate to that or if that comes up
3: in your work Tyler when you're talking Chemsex does. is actually an area of porn what involves people having sex and slamming and people are reporting when because they're exposing themselves to that type of porn that it, it's not only influencing the sex that they have it's creating like a psychosexual issue as well so when people see like needles or, or veins or things like that they're associating that with sex and getting excited it's called needle fixation uh, this People that have accessed this service where they've been in a group and I've, I've actually witnessed them looking at the veins and they've had to leave the room because, you know, the, the cravings become that unpa- uh, unmanageable. I think if you
4: go back 10 years and you, you look at what existed in terms of porn, you know, we're at a very different place now. You can tap into um, yeah. porn with someone slamming uh, and it seems to be acceptable and there seems to be no police framework yeah, around there's it. No there's no governance. No policing of it. Yeah, no governance. Um, of it. And if you think that. Th- in terms of how that must play out practically. Um, We've got a whole generation of people that are um, exposed to apps and this kind of culture where that's the first stuff that they see Um, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the next step which would then be for individuals to then engage in that behaviour. There's also another factor in in this as well.
3: I'd say probably 90% even plus of the service users that access this service for Chemtech support I HIV positive and I think chemsex can sometimes be a way for people to have the sex that they want without the shame and the stigma attached to it. Do you
1: think it's about connection? Is there something
3: about
4: really wanting to connect and not being able to do it it's without... Well, it's, 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 you're absolutely right and it's, it comes down to, you know, if you're a new individual that is not necessarily that confident and you want to meet another guy it's a way of lowering your inhibitions making you more confident so that you then can connect with somebody and I know from talking to guys from you know they've shared that with me that that's why they do this in the first place because it makes them more confident on both sides um, lowering inhibitions yeah, from experience then leads into a situation potentially where you start taking extra risks and you become less careful about your own environment all the people that you're with you're less uh, aware of your own safety. You have group scene. that in an environment like that, if you are inviting people into your home, or inviting people into others' homes, you don't know who you're inviting in.
2: The, the risks are, as the risks has always been, you could be robbed, yeah. you could be assaulted, yeah. <laughs> you could be murdered. I mean, there's the case in, the, in I can't That's remember that. his name yeah. now. Stephen the uh, guy, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who sort of enticed people back to his oh, house yeah. and fed them GBL. Overfed and then bury them in the churchyard, or just sorry, didn't bury them, just left them there in the in the churchyard. The
4: risks, the risks, the risks are very real. The, if there's one thing that people should take away from this and our discussion today, is that the reward doesn't necessarily outweigh the risk in the, involved in this scene.
1: And how? Cause I remember talking to a friend of mine, and he kept on. I think he would have used the word "slipping back" into chemsex. How have you to, what allows you to be in your recovery? I mean, recovery is a bumpy road. <laughs> you know, it's not a straight line. No. What keeps you from not
4: slipping back? You're, you're well, people like Tyler, yeah, 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 I you're, guess. You're, you're yeah. absolutely right. Recovery isn't necessarily a straight line upwards, no. which you know, is, is kind of a concept that many people think exists. It's a process of undertaking various different activities. And there's no one size fits all, I think. Receiving counselling from a sport organisation is one of those pieces of the jigsaw that comes into place. Understanding yourself, understanding how you feel, having the ability to accept that you have a problem and then having the ability to then ask for help. That's the number one key thing to the road to recovery. It's being able to ask for some help and then being able to know where to, to go for it and then once you get on that track having a sense of purpose in life having a goal starts to become apparent
1: we're we're on canal street aren't we yes we are so we're here in the offices and i heard a lady as we came in um chris in the lift saying about street angels or something village angels village angels and how they'd be out and look for people that were worse for wear let's say and then make sure that they're going to be safe it's like a community safety i'm thinking like sites or apps like Grindr should be cause when I go on Grinder, you get adverts now that come up and they fucking annoy me um, yeah, but I refuse to pay the premium yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, same as Spotify um, <laughs> and why didn't they put adverts up saying I get in I, touch I, with you
3: know we had this conversation last night yeah. and I'll, I'll tell you the blunt answer to that because of the ridiculous prices that they charge. I think it's for a Fortnite advertisement, they want £600. And as a charity organisation... Mm. Well, that's outrageous, because... Well, they should have a community responsibility, really. 100% they're trying to
1: change their way of being viewed, which I think is a great thing. But I think they should be doing that
2: I think that's responsibility isn't you it well this is a big this is one of the social issues
1: which is, facing, which is
2: facing the community at large I mean, we're talking about abuse online we're talking about whether the providers of various apps they have a responsibility they've created you know they're partly creating this monster you know they've created it on the one side, but we as the user have also created the yeah. problem on the other yeah, of course. because you've yeah. just like bunged it straight on the head and like, so, well how do we get to the people who are worried about so what final way of actually getting to them than through those apps so it's now the conversations that need to be had are with the people who produce these which unfortunately the majority are in the states they're not in this country say, in the- so so therefore we've got to look at you know both our american cousins and ourselves have got to start talking to these people and say look this is great you have set this up but there has been a social consequence to it
0: a lot of what we've spoken about is technology a lot of things have come back to technology so we've spoken about porn and the availability of porn and it's reminding me of a conversation i was hearing about it was about kids in schools and how they are able to quickly just log on to you porn and see a girl getting gang banged by 15 blokes. And that makes a girl feel like she needs to be like that, or vice versa. A bloke needs to, a 15-year-old, 16-year-old needs to know what they would do in a gang bang. You know, so this expectation upon you is so huge. How could you ever get yourself to a position of knowing what
4: to do unless you involve drugs in it? Doesn't this come back to education, though, Mm. in schools at a younger age? and and various principles that could be embedded within society um, Mm. to combat that.
1: I feel underneath a lot of it is... I still think a sense of shame, gay shame, can underline it. Because if it's sorted out in schools, then there'll be a whole generation, this would be my desire, where people aren't getting a constant barrage of a sense of difference and that they're wrong and
0: inept. Two things that have struck me today. A shame comes up a lot. Gay shame comes up a lot. And the idea of drugs can... If you are really fundamentally have been told that the kind of sex you like is shameful, drugs can really help you get over that. And I wonder if that chimes with either of you or, you know... Absolutely. No, totally. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. And we heard it just last
2: yeah. night in, the, in one yeah. of the groups. Yeah. yeah. really, yeah, absolutely. There the, the were three people there who would have totally agree with you 100% on that
0: and that's why it's nice to hear you say John it needs to be done at schools you know and what you were saying well it's like you know we need to get we need to get rid of that bullshit you know and really you wouldn't have a lot of those problems I heard you say
1: John about I thought it was wonderful you know that you can ask for help and that there are services or places available people you know, that was what I, I just thought you did it so much better, I'll listen back to the recording <laughs> and then say that I said it. Um, well, hey, how has that process then been for yourself and
4: Roger? Like, how has that been? It's, it's been a lifeline. Uh, knowing that you can dip in and out if necessary. Knowing that you can approach people without feeling judged and receive professional, objective help is, you know, is, is, is excellent. And also having it for free and also knowing that you then have the facility to meet like-minded people in a group environment where you share and i think that's part of the therapy being able to share and listen to other people's How experiences it gets so, that stops so the isolation powerful. as well it's so powerful yeah. because because you you realize um, that you're not necessarily in this on your own
2: i know so many people that started doing chemsex and now suddenly realizing they're in crisis and coming out onto the other side and saying Ooh, I need help and whereas in 2015 there was nothing here in Manchester now there is and we're also beginning to have the experience about how to deal with that as well
4: was it one year ago maybe just short just over one year ago I moved back from the south yes. and um, uh, met you for the first time and I think from memory I was probably one of your first uh, would you call me a client
3: a uh, client yeah. service, user. Well,
4: service user yeah and I was astonished <laughs> yeah. that uh, in Manchester, that was the, this was a new concept, but I can't speak highly enough for the work of Tyler and the people here. It's, it's a fact. It's helped me achieve a certain direction and it's helped me progress out of that particular black space that I was in. And um, there is hope. There is hope for people. Four years ago, three years ago, uh, I would never have said that. I would never have foreseen what was coming, what I went through, and that I'm out the other side. The work of Tyler's team and the LGBT Center here, you know, if it weren't for them, I probably wouldn't be alive today.
0: That was our conversation with Tyler, Roger, and John at the LGBT Foundation in Manchester. Please do write in and tell us your thoughts because this is a discussion, people. If you have any views, please contact us on hello at homo sapienspodcast.com at Will Young with the hashtag sapiens on Twitter. We'll go through your emails and tweets on Homo sapiens Extra on Tuesday. It was very humbling to hear them be that honest, and I hope it has helped people. On Homo sapiens Extra, we'll have more from the LGBT Foundation in Manchester where we'll find out all about prep, which is, in a nutshell, is a, a medication to prevent you contracting HIV. Um, and actually, sidebar: a guy I know, a friend called Carl Schmidt, who is a presenter on ABC in America, has come out as HIV positive this week, and it's been quite a big thing in the press. And I was—I actually, being totally honest, I was really surprised it was a big thing. Um, I thought we were past that, but um, well done to him for representing.
1: Yes, well done, him. It's, I think that's very brave. Oh, hi, Esme! Are you jump in. Oh gosh! Look, there they hi, are. Hi, Bob. You, oh hang on no this is no no that that you you look what you've done is me oh god no and you're all mucky you've dropped the thing
0: Look, it's my dad a sighting, a sighting a sighting there he is
1: what are you doing with that i'm waving what I've run out of he's trying to sell brushes oh he's coming in now
4: no more brushes. Oh, going to sell you logs.
1: can you make me a coffee please no <laughs> <laughs> where's mummy Oh, I'm just gonna—I'll sh- shout out. Maybe a fucking coffee. The um. Hi, like-
0: mom, dad. Where's the <laughs> fucking breakfast? Do you ever find that you regress when you're back at home, or do you think you're the same person? I'm way more adult now. Totally the same. Do my
1: laundry. Can I tell you there's some marshmallows up on the windsill, but I just—I can't be bothered to get up and get them.
0: Mom. <laughs> That just leaves me to say a big thank you to you for your tireless hard work throughout the entire recording of this episode.
1: Come, 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 come.
0: I make a plea to all of our listeners to subscribe, rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And we will see you next week. And please tune in to Homo Sapiens Extra on Tuesday, which leads me to none other than our final song. I tell you what I want what I really really want. So humma what you want, humma humma, humma ho. Hum <laughs>
1: Tell you what I want Really, really, really want
0: I want to hope. hope I want a hope I want to mo- hope I want a really, really, really Man want a
1: Homo sapiens I think that was great <laughs> Me too
4: Powered by Spirit Studios